0: hi will hi you, you hit record so we might as well start <laughs> yeah <laughs> how's it going mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. it's actually going pretty good it's going pretty good how are how are things going for you gavin
0: i mean fine all things considered
1: yeah thank god for animal crossing alright?
0: Yeah, no. right <laughs> yeah yeah that there animal crossing is pretty helpful in these trying times
1: it's so true So true.
0: Here's how rough it is. We forgot to do the whole talk about a positive thing last time, last couple times, I think.
1: (laughs) You know, I think that's okay. Uh,
0: I think we've earned a reprieve from that.
1: Yeah, I think um, we can say that our positive thing right now is Animal Crossing. It has nothing to do with podcasts, except for like 90% of Hug House has been playing together, which has been lovely. Yeah. Um, and Gavin, you and I have been playing together and you've been playing with uh, Kareen and like a bunch of other people, so, so... People. yeah, that's been good.
0: <laughs> that's an upshot. Uh, yeah. Welcome to a podcast, this is Tuned In, Dialed Up, a podcast about podcasting, I'm Gavin, that's Will. Hi. Hi. Um, today we're going to have kind of a experimental episode.
1: Yeah. Why? What?
0: Why are you looking? Mute. Oh yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Thank- you. are fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking of it for later. Uh, we have a little bit of a weird episode today. Why don't we start off with talking about a positive thing? You've just talked about Animal Crossing. I mm-hmm. can throw something out there. Oh yeah. I don't want to just kind of umbrella say quarantine podcast because that it's yeah. weird. Like I have a weird relationship with these so far because like there are a lot of ones that are trying to capitalize on this, but yeah. What's it called? Phoebe Reads a Mystery. Thank you, Maya. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, I think that's so sweet. That's Phoebe Judge, right? From uh, Criminal and This Is Love.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Judge has started reading uh, Agatha Christie's first novel, chapter by chapter, and that's mm-hmm, the podcast. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the uh, podcast.
0: I would argue it's not. It's It's an interesting take on an audiobook podcast because Judge... Isn't making an audiobook if that makes sense. Judge is just yeah. reading it. Um, so there's a lot of the time, a lot of the time when there's like two sentences that follow each other, and Christie's relying on you reading this on a page to discern who's talking because they're separated. Uh, it more more or less will sound like Judge is saying different lines from the same person because there's no like effort to distinguish character voices, which makes it really calming because the the bit is judge has a calming voice uh she has such a calming voice it is it is a very good um if you like what's it called sleepy i think it's called where otis gray i think is his name reads stories to lull you to sleep um that it, the, the judge reads a mystery fills that niche perfectly mm-hmm. and i think it's a perfect example of something that's somewhat low effort that all the all the same has been a real shining moment of the last couple of weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. Can I uh, say one selfish thing while we're here? Sure. Don't send me press releases <laughs> for your podcast about the pandemic. I don't want to listen to it. Why would I want to listen to it? I am a human person who is also living right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, thank you. I have gotten, um, I don't know, uh, like 10 emails a day since this all started with press releases.
0: There's that like rogue guest who's been going around bugging a bunch of people because they've been posting about it on Twitter. But there's been this one person who's purporting to be somewhat of a expert on the, cor- the the pandemic and it's like bugging mm-hmm. people whose podcasts aren't even interview shows like it's great uh god yeah I, also just like let's be real people you know who listens to quarantine podcasts somebody who typed in coronavirus into Spotify or whatever mm-hmm. like no one's like chomping at the bit waiting for the newest reviews of these mm-hmm. uh also, if you genuinely cared, you would have listened to the, what is it, five hours that was put up in one day on this podcast will kill you that covers different facets of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, th- like, I don't see how anyone else can do anything that uh, this podcast will kill you has already done. You're mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to mm-hmm. talk about a completely different part of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well. Mm-hmm. Word on the street is you like Hadestown.
1: Me? What? What? <laughs> yeah, so um, for those who don't know, Hadestown is several things. Um, you are likely aware of it because it is a Tony Award winning Broadway show right now. Or, well, it was right now. It was but like given
0: Best Musical of the Year there. or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, it, it won I mean, it was nominated for, I think, 11 or one eleven 11 Tonys. It, it's something ridiculous. Whoa!
0: Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. The list just popped up. It, mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gavin, if there is a cat meowing this whole time.
0: I think we're fine.
1: Okay. Because Zach is home and they love him so much. And every second he is not paying attention to them, they are furious and he is working. <laughs> So, I think we can talk about some of the uh, nominations it didn't get later on because I think it'll tie into some of our yeah. some of our discussion. Um, but so you probably know it from that, um, Hades Town will be touring. Um, you know, we can just kind of shelf news on that for right now. But Hades Town started in 2010. It was a folk album. Um, a folk concept album by songwriter Anais Mitchell. Mitchell had already, um, had already created a few albums. They were all beautiful and gorgeous. She was being discussed a lot on NPR and All Songs Considered, mm-hmm. um, which is a wonderful radio show and podcast. If you're looking for new music, All Songs Considered is, uh, fantastic. Um... She is largely considered like one of the best modern songwriters, right up there with, uh, with John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats. Um, So Hades Town, twenty ten, was released. It was a full cast, somewhat like half modern retelling of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, but set in the Dust Bowl South. Um, Gavin, I think that we need to give spoilers on this ancient Greek myth, right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I was gonna. Okay. I was. I was gonna start off with a conversation about maybe we won't spoil what happens, you know, at the end of Hades Town. But it is then, it's
1: literally an ancient Greek myth. <laughs> let's be real,
0: people. It's like talking about Titanic. Like, it, yeah, there's a difference between people running around and giving away the end of Murder on the Orient Express, Because it's one of the highest selling novels of all time. You should have read it by now. Um, right. People were spoiling the movie to be dicks on the internet. It feels weird being able to swear. I've been not swearing on stuff I've listened to for weeks now. Um, <laughs> Brian Cranston was in a play? Sorry, I have a oh, list yeah. of the Tonys that oh, yeah. got one last year and I saw Brian Cranston. Um, mm-hmm. People were being dicks about spoiling that. But, like,
1: it's. This is. It's literally ancient.
0: <laughs> it has been since I was a child that I was into Greek mythology stuff. I don't know half the things you people are talking about on twitter um oh yeah but i even i listening to hades town the first time was like oh i oh i remember
1: oh this one i remember how this yeah.
0: one shakes down
1: yeah um so i i am a huge huge fan of greek mythology um but and this might come as a little bit more of a surprise i'm also a huge fan of bluegrass wait what yeah i love bluegrass. I, I love bluegrass. So Hades Town is kind of like a match made in heaven for me.
0: I got a couple festivals down here you love.
1: <laughs> oh, same. We actually have a bluegrass festival up in Flagstaff. That's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Um, But so the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice is that Orpheus is in some cases dem- a demigod, in some cases just like the chosen of the gods, etc. Et um, he is just like he is the world's most amazing musician he falls in love with a girl named eurydice um he is not paying attention she gets killed by hades uh with an asp i believe um or a viper or some a snake you know a snake um she gets sent down to hades orpheus is like oops! And so Hades hears his music, gives him one chance to save Eurydice. The catch is that he has to lead her out of Hades, walking in front of her, and not look back. And if he can trust her and trust himself enough, and and trust Hades enough, that he won't look back, then she'll be fine. And if he does look back, um, he has to stay there forever. It's, fuck. It's fucked. It's bad. It's all fucked. Um, so, you know, he leads her out. He looks back. It's it's sad. It's a sad, it's a sad thing. They're dead. Um, so in this retelling that Anais Mitchell did with the 2010 album, um, Orpheus is still... Uh, still a musician, he is played by Justin Vernon of Bon Iver, who I did not like until listening to Town, And <laughs> even then, it took me a long time to like him, but I have come around. Uh, Aeneas Mitchell herself plays Eurydice. Um, the cast is just, I mean, it's amazing. And essentially, the difference here is that they are poor, they are starving. Again, it is the Dust Bowl South. Um The fates are played by, like, a traditional three-part harmony, which is killer, and they are kind of, like, spurning, you know, spurning things, and and these fucking cats, Gavin. (laughs) I swear to God. They're monsters. Okay. The fates are sort of um, muddying things up and, and, you know, leading Eurydice away and making Orpheus doubt things. Um and the the big thing here is that Hades instead of being the underworld is an underground mine city and all of the dead are workers. And again, this is 2010. There is a very famous song about why they build the wall and essentially it's this idea of capitalism leading to labor that never ends for wealth that is never actually attained. Now, later on, why do we build the wall turned out to be prophetic in some ways, and I guess Mitchell was not anticipating. Yeah. Um. Which then I think is part of the reason why it got so much more attention. So 2010 is when I first listened to Hades Town, the album. It was my, it was the first semester of my freshman year in college. And I fell in love with it instantly, um, and it's one of my favorite pieces of art. The original album is my favorite iteration. So fast forward to 2017, 2018, a year. Um, Hades Town gets an off-Broadway production, um, and that got a ton of awards and was, you know, highly renowned. Fast forward to, I guess, 2018. So I guess... 2016, 2017, in in the 2010s. In the late 2010s. So 2018, um, Hades Town. The play is picked up by Rachel Chavkin, who has previously done Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of Meow 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 Meow. Um, it has a very long name. I don't remember it. Uh, which also got lots of awards. She takes a lot of her cast and a few other cast members. She redoes all of the set design for Hadestown and turns it into this huge Tony award-winning production that it is today that is the most famous iteration of it. Um, to give more background on my my engagement with Hadestown, um, so I listened to the album in 2010, prayed for it to be something else, like <laughs> some, something more, something visual. I did not see the off-Broadway production, but I had a friend, I actually have several friends who went. Um, and loved it. I did listen to that cast recording. I, I, I don't like it. I, I'm just, I'm just not a fan. Um, and then once the current Broadway production came out, I went with my Hug House co-founders, Ann and Katie. We all went together to go see it and I watched it and I loved it and I cried and I cried. Now, I say that I don't like the off-Broadway album and I, I want to be very clear that i did not see it and i think that that's a huge huge difference you can listen to the first hades town not having seen it and it's fine it's just an album i i feel that you can listen to the broadway version and not have you know not see it and still appreciate it the middle one i just don't feel i don't think it's bad i think that it just really required the visuals um so Gavin, what is your experience with <sighs> um,
0: My experience is you and several people in your Twitter circles as well as people like anime, uh, anime. what the Gavin,
1: fuck? I'm so sorry. I have to go. Go I, tend I, to I, the cats. I, yeah. I, I'm going to lock them through a second door. Oh, we're
0: going to <laughs> airlock distance. them.
1: Yep. Oh, Lordy.
0: Well, while Will has disappeared to yell at some cats, I'm going to take a moment to thank everybody at the producer level on patreon.com forward slash Gavin G who's making the show a possibility. I want to take a special moment to shout out Alice and Chelsea, Jean, Mads and Ostium podcast uh, for making tuned in dialed up and all the other stuff I do a reality. Uh, I expected Will to be back by the end of me vamping this uh, to help out. So, I'm just going to keep talking until I hear Will return. It sounds like it's working. No, we're almost there. See, it worked. Hi, Will. Would you like to thank the people who make the show a possibility at patreon.com forward slash gavin G? I've just listed their names. Where?
1: Oh, out loud with your voice. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, I was I was vamping while you were gone. And it, it it frustrated Jordan to yes. no end. I love you, nearly. Got it. No,
1: you don't. Hey, I... thanks, folks. Who who are the folks? <laughs> Say them again, I want to hear their the, names. The
0: folks are Alice and Chelsea, Jean, Mads, and the Ostium Podcast.
1: Thank you all so much.
0: Uh that segment went great. Anyway, um, <laughs> To answer your earlier question, my exposure to Hades Town is seeing you and uh, uh, several people you're friends with. Uh, I think there was a um, write up by Emily Vanderwerf, or was it a interview? Mm-hmm. It might have been an interview. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of talk it... about Hades Town yeah. on social media. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. so I eventually listened to it uh, the the 2017 version or mm-hmm. the the Broadway version on uh, work night. Loved it. Uh, talk to you about it, and you immediately started yelling at me to listen to the 2010 version, which I then yeah, did. Yeah,
1: I, I am very much of the belief that they should be listened to in order. Yes. Um,
0: I agree I, with that, having done the opposite.
1: You. Yes. Thank you. I actually get really... Like, so, I don't usually get defensive of the things I love. I get very defensive of the original Hadestown album especially from people who only enjoy the most recent Broadway version. <laughs> I get really defensive about it, and I feel like in order to give the album its due, it should be listened to first.
0: I think I probably should have said this at the beginning. Um, one of the uh, questions I was to ask myself to the air to kind of get it started is, why the hell are we, a podcast about podcasts, talking about versions of Town? Um, oh yeah!
1: Oh my god! <laughs>
0: you and I wanted to talk about Hades Town, obviously, but we just did a spoilers ahoy in two in a row. Seems a bit a bit indulgent, uh, mm-hmm. but given that Hades Town, the album, um, I'm just going to start saying the album and the play. No offense to the off Broadway version, but that's the only two I've listened to, and those are kind of the jumps that we're talking about anyway. Um, the difference the differences between the album and the play uh, are. As uh, are analogous to adapting something to an audio drama or adapting something out of being an audio drama into a different medium.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and I think there's a good amount of meat there to talk about, like, things that audio can do that visual can't, and things that visual can do much better that audio can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a wonderful exercise in playing to one's strengths. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I actually just interviewed Jeffrey Craner about this subject for Spotify. Um, I recently read The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home, which is the new Night Vale novel and I fell in love with it. It's beautiful.
0: It's a gorgeous book. And he book. and I talked I about haven't read adaptations. It yet. I'm just saying the outside's gorgeous.
1: <laughs> the isn't the cover art beautiful? I did right. ask him about the cover art. I had a lot of questions. <laughs> Cuz it's so it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Um, and he was very excited to talk about it, which I thought was very sweet. Um, yeah, no, it's a beautiful book, and he had a lot to say about adaptation as somebody who has adapted a podcast to the stage and to novels, um, and has at least had some discussions about TV, given both Nightvale and Alice, um, Alice Isn't Dead, um, have been optioned for TV. So I think, hmm... I could start by talking about what I think the Broadway version does wrong, but that seems um, mean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can launch into my accent uh, thing here.
1: Yeah, um, well, first off, actually, which version is your favorite? You're allowed to say whatever you want. I know I'm allowed to you.
0: say whatever I want, but like I, I, and I'm not hedging my bets here just to be polite to people who have different preferences, but I feel like as something to listen to the album is mm-hmm. what I return to the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though there's something a lot more singable about the play, um, even in a crappy car stereo, the the album has a little bit more richness to it and a little bit just, I mean, it, they're songs, like, mm-hmm. uh, right. they're not it, necessarily, It's, it's
1: like, meant to be listened on headphones or in a car or whatever. It's yeah. not, like, meant to be seen.
0: It's not yeah. songs, jazz hands. Um, also, Andre DeShield's voice destroys my vocal cords, and the the, the <laughs> parts worth singing most are Hermes or Hades, both of which will kill me. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, yeah, I just, I just, I, pr- I listened to the album a lot more now. When I hadn't listened to the album yet, there was like a two week gap, um, and the Broadway version absolutely dominated my repeat playlist because mm-hmm. like Road to Hell, Why We Build the Wall, um, I think a couple they're way down Hades Town, and I think an Epic maybe uh, all quickly got into that playlist because I was listening to them so many times a night. Um but yeah, it just the album has things in it that you can't do in a Broadway play, like the auto tune. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm hmm.
1: And the the like thousands of layers of Justin Vernon's voice. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And quite frankly, so, some uh in- careful instrumentation that Yes um gets changed out for intentionally a little sloppy, uh sort of backroom jazz band stuff in Mm -hmm. the broadway version but i haven't that's the thing is like i haven't seen it um i understand it must be a completely different like vibe and grabs you a lot more if you're watching the stuff because just looking at video clips on youtube like how they use fucking lights as props is oh my god gorgeous
1: yeah i have a lot i have a lot to say about the lights when we talk about like (laughs) what it does well i have so much to say about the lights (laughs) also gavin there are full versions on
0: youtube i can send to you i also have the full version but oh thank god okay
1: (laughs) i think that the version of hadestown um on youtube that i saw first (laughs) was like (laughs) because it was on youtube it was like true story my uber driver took me all the way to hell (laughs) It was so fucking funny. <sighs> okay, to start this conversation, Gavin, you had um some notes on accent work yes. that I thought were just fucking genius. So if you want to launch into that.
0: Alright, um, let's talk about Town by first talking about a radio play from 1959 um <laughs> this is a relic of me taking i think it was like an advanced uh literary theory class that was a prereq for my major um which is to say i basically paid 700 of taxpayer money to walk into a classroom and have a tenured professor talk about the fact that we were going to go into more detail on you know, the five literary interpret- interpretation theories that you're taught in English. Um, uh, fuck, what are they? Uh, reader response, historical, new something. Uh, and then there's all the sloppy, not real things like Marxist and queer. Like, as if, like, those are... You can only interpret through one of those lenses. It's complete horseshit. Um and then we spent a whole semester just going through the bare bones basics of those things again that we were taught in like English 205. It was frustrating, but this guy assigned a uh, book of Samuel Beckett um, plays, and we had All That Fall. So it means I get to I get to have read this. And the thing about All That Fall that's interesting. This is a uh, uh, it's, it's a story about a septuagenarian... Yeah, it's an Irish septuagenarian woman who's walking to the train station to meet her husband. And then she meets him and they start walking back. Along the way, a lot of things happen that demean her or just a lot of unfortunate events and then bad things happen at the train station. Um, the thing, The reason I bring this up is in All That Fall, which was written for radio production... Um, Beckett made a point of asking, or uh, not even asking telling the uh, voice actor Billy Whitelaw says Wikipedia that the character of the old woman what's her name, hang on Uh, Mrs. Rooney, uh, he made a point of saying Mrs. Rooney is very much Irish Uh, like she should she should read as Irish to anybody Uh, which makes a huge difference to the play, especially when it's a sort of a BBC production and everyone else in the play has a English accent, um, which then automatically kind of infers that Mrs. Rooney, as far as several other things that she stands in for, can stand in for kind of just how Irish people are treated by English in general around that time, or someone are you in ever, (laughs) uh. Her being Irish changes what she says in that play without changing a single line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, to that point, Hades Town, which you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, is strongly coded as being a Dust Bowl South town, mm-hmm. um, especially in the play uh, and the the album version. Eurydice has a distinct midwest twang especially in wedding uh wedding song
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh she's hired uh hired in dark both have a strong sort of minnesota thing going on to them which again without changing anything about the album or the play there's talk about uh, how eurydice is hungry and is uh ends up being you know seduced into going to hades Uh, In pursuit of how, uh, you know, uh, makes you wonder how it feels like it's everybody's rich down in Hadestown, according to the people that want her to go to Hadestown. She's not from this this town.
1: Yeah, it's double interesting with Aeneas Mitchell because she's from Vermont. Yeah. Like she's not. (laughs) And so I think that she does put that on a little, which I I find really interesting.
0: So she like you can infer that like Eurydice is not from here. Mm-hmm. And it's from quite far away. Uh, mm-hmm. not that anyone has particularly southern accents in the play, um, but they all could slot into that easily.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is um this is a great way this is a great method for conveying information, I exactly. think, in, in audio. Where you don't have to say everything. You can You can just let these things be understood. One thing that I, uh, a comparison that I think is maybe apt here is uh, in Wolf 359, uh, Renee Minkowski, you know, her name is Minkowski, Uh, Eiffel continually calls her Minkowski because that's how it's spelled. Um, And then eventually by the end of the series, she is like, hi, my name is Minkowski. Like you can't just keep, my name is part of my heritage. Like you can't just keep erasing that from me. And we know that that's a point of tension from early on. It isn't until the pot boils over that we actually get the discussion, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think that's a really elegant way of going about it. Similar to the accent work here.
0: Oh, uh, and if anyone out there is like, Hmm, a radio play from 1959, maybe you want to listen to that. Uh, it's an hour long. I think it's worth listening to, uh, fair warning. It's, or no 1957 uh fair warning it's that old that uh a lot of the sound effects are a person doing it with their mouth uh the (laughs) first the first direction in the entire play is a list of animals barnyard animals that are making sounds and it is just people doing noises with their mouths y'all someone literally saying "move," like (laughs) <laughs> it's a real cheesy, but it's it sounds like a audio drama now trying to be corny. It's completely straight face, so you're gonna have to accept that there's a dude with like five props and three people who can make sounds with their their mouths. Maybe sometimes it can kind of work. Uh, but I think it's a it's a pretty dark play. I think it's worth listening to if only because of the writing's really good, um, and what I've talked about so far, mm-hmm. uh, and it's free on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, nice. But, Um, so there's all these different things that you can do with audio that you can't do with visual and vice versa. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, to make the, it's almost the opposite. It feels like because the jump from the album to Broadway, the Broadway version has to have a narrative and there's Mm -hmm. way more plot. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of things are literally explained and it almost feels like an audio drama that's trying a little too hard. Um, yeah.
1: Can I actually launch into that real quick?
0: Sure. I was just going to say that's what attracted me to in the first place. Cause I really only listen to sung through stuff. Like I get, I get real anxious about not getting a play and not giving it a fair shot. If it's a mm. musical, and it's not like Hamilton was my first musical really. Cause someone, pointed out there was, like, one thing that happens on stage that you don't get in the recording, which is shit, because the ghost of Hamilton comes out during the final song and makes it super sad if you can see him while uh, his wife's singing. Uh, but whatever.
1: <laughs> so, with Hadestown...
0: Yes, there we go.
1: I think that Hadestown is a, is a great cast album to start with because you will get, other than a few scenes you will get almost all of the content in the cast album mm-hmm. which for me is a point of tension
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when when the play started um i was absolutely in love with it completely enraptured, literally sobbing start to finish <laughs> like I was, I was crying the whole time um, and i was madly in love love with it and still am But there were a few moments where I was like, huh, okay, that's a choice. (laughs) And one of those moments for me um, was the epics. So the epics are three songs. Um, They are, in the play, Orpheus's like song from the gods that he is using to bring the spring and the fall back because it's just been... Summer, winter, summer, winter—nothing can grow really either time, mm-hmm. um, which is why there is famine, etc. Um, in the musical, I mean, in the in the album, it's much more just a song that he is singing about Hades. It is like yeah. halfway between diegetic and non-diegetic. It is Orpheus delivering the tale of the gods to you, the listener. He is the messenger for you. Um, So, in my opinion, if you have a podcast which is only utilizing one sense, which is, you know, hearing, and then you take it to the stage, which is hearing and seeing, you can show a lot more than you than you have to tell, mm-hmm. right? The play somehow got this backwards.
0: <laughs> yeah, the play and... kind of turns it into check off six notes, like Yes. We, we we set up the melody in the first act so it can play off it can pay off on the third act.
1: Right. And it plays a little bit that way in the album too, except it takes the epic one is in a minor key. Mm-hmm. And it is explaining who Hades is. The epic two is explaining Hades and his relationship with Persephone, and that is in a major key. And then in 3, it kind of goes between the two, and it creates uh, a lack of resolution, actually, just uh, a a more full understanding. So I want to read the two sets of lyrics of epics of Epic 1, and explain why the epics themselves frustrate me when it comes to adaptation. So first, I'm going to start with the album version. So the album version goes, King of diamonds, king of spades, Hades was king of the kingdom of dirt. Miners of mines, diggers of graves, they bowed down to Hades who gave them work. And they bowed down to Hades who made them sweat, who paid them their wages and set them about, digging and dredging and dragging the depths of the earth to turn its insides out. So that's all the way to the la 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 laws, if you've heard it. Um, in the Broadway version, it is King of Shadows, King of Shades, Hades was King of the Underworld, but he fell in love with a beautiful lady who walked up above in her mother's green field, which is reference to um, Hestia? No, Demeter. He fell in love with Persephone, who was gathering flowers in the light of the sun, and he took her home to become his queen, where the sun never shone on anyone. So I've a lot of issues <laughs> <laughs> with this adaptation. Um, I'm going to pick apart these first two lines. The album version, King of Diamonds, King of Spades, versus the Broadway, King of Shadows, King of Shades.
0: I'll say this before you get into it. Um... Mm-hmm. When I heard the album version, I was like, why is it Shades in the play? <laughs> like, Thank you! It, it did click weird that I was like, yeah, Spades is a much better word. Thank you!
1: <laughs> also, I'm not going to touch on this line, but I do just want to say that the line, but he fell in love with a beautiful lady is stupid. <laughs> like, that's, that's dumb. That's a stupid line. They well, did bad job with that We have to tell people
0: one. that Persephone's hot because half the play is about Persephone now question. Mark. Right.
1: Right. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Persephone. She's one of my favorite characters. And Amber Gray's performance is top notch. Uh, fucking love her. It, she's so charismatic that it would be impossible to not give her half the play. Yeah. But okay. So King of Diamonds, King of Spades. Here is why this works on so many levels without being explicit about one of them. So obviously we have here King of Diamonds, in as much as he is running the wealth of the world, King of Spades, in as much as everybody is digging and it's underground, right? So that's layer one. Layer two, there is so much discussion of gambling in Town. <laughs> like, first off, there is a whole song called When the Chips Are Down. There is also uh, the whole Gamble. Everyone is taking constantly on everything. Um, it takes place in like this club where they, you know, you are positive there are card games happening, like so. You have the deck of cards imagery. Third layer. Hades is the Greek version of the Roman Pluto. The Roman, the Roman god Pluto is not just king of the underworld, but also king of wealth and king of diamonds so here we have three layers without being explicit about any of them yeah and then we get to king of shadows king of shades
0: i the, the thing that it didn't feel weird the first time I listened to the, I mean, obviously, because I didn't have the album to compare it to, but the Shades thing, like, there's multiple references to it being shady in Hades Town, which made me not necessarily think about it as a uh, Dust Bowl South place, even though that's what, like, the artwork on the original album is really throwing back to. Uh, mm-hmm. I was thinking of it as, like, Southwest Desert situation, where Shade, like, kind of, you know, this is a horrible reference, but Holes... <laughs> <laughs> Where shade oh, is a commodity, yeah. Um, yeah it's too, like the, the also, album version plays with that uh, the in, the inf- inference of wealth in Hades in a yeah. way that I really like.
1: It's also an unfortunate line because in like almost every scene um, in the Broadway version, Hades is wearing <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> So, calling him the king of shades is a choice. So all of this is to say, when you adapt something to the visual, you need to err not on the side of, of telling more, even when you have to have a more direct narrative. You can do that in connective tissue. You need to, if anything, pull back and say less and show more. You have a whole other sense. That is open to you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, while I'm writing my my rage high, before we get to the things that I think worked beautifully, well, no, okay, let's 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 pivot to things that worked beautifully and how that compares to this. I got Gavin, one. I have to talk about those lights.
0: We could talk about those lights, uh, but while we're on lyrics, because uh, you mentioned the the wealth of Hades Town and the gambling, I just want to quickly note that um, I think. Possibly my favorite little interaction of the play is uh, Perse- uh, Eurydice getting so seduced during way down Hades Town. Everybody dresses in clothes so fine. Everybody's pockets are weighted down. Um,
1: Everybody's drinking ambrosia wine. It's gold. She mind. is so
0: Hadestown. sold on this idea that Hades Town yes. is awesome. And then it, the next person singing is Orpheus. Everybody hungry. Everybody tired. Everybody slaves by the sweat of his brow. Like. He knows it sucks at Hadestown. <laughs> and there's this, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know how we would do it in a podcast, but I love it when character has a completely different perspective on something and it creates this dramatic irony. Because uh, Way Down Hadestown is, a, like, it's the song of the Broadway play. Like, it's the breakout thing. Everybody's singing and it. It's super fun. And I think it still works in that version, too. But... Oh,
1: absolutely. Way Down Hadestown? Town fucking rules in version. Yes. The uh,
0: they you can tell they wrote they pushed the boat out on this is the song like everyone's gonna talk about um oh, shit say anything say my name say my name in beetlejuice like that's that's the song mm. of beetlejuice uh in the album th- that eurydice orpheus thing makes mm-hmm. me want to play with interpretations a lot more because like that mm-hmm. moment um is kind of the first time the play's like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> you can, right. like that's the moment where you're like, oh, Eurydice is going to fall for this shit. If you don't know, like, the snake thing isn't here. Uh, right. Because I assume the play, like, from my listening to it, I feel like the play doesn't toy with will it, won't it? Like, is that a thing that happens? Or is it a foregone conclusion? They know because the album's existed for seven years. That she gets seduced down to Hades town by Hades, uh, and then it, you know, hey, little songbird, which is the creepiest thing, uh, oh, yeah, on couple of levels, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, favorite Hades real quick since it's a
1: mine is still the album version just because I. It's it's the version that I think of, but I will say, the Hades in both versions is phenomenal. Yes. Um, the the physicality that the actor um, Patrick Page brings to the Broadway version is intoxicating. He is, you know, like Persephone in that version. He is so entertaining to watch, and he has this. His posture is perfect for Hades. He is so sure of himself and so confident and he is imposing but not not in a bulky way. He is imposing in such a slimy attractive way. Mm-hmm. And not like not like ooh pretty, but attractive like like you want to make a deal with this guy and you know it's going to be a bad choice. But, he but makes you feel like it's going to be <laughs> like high risk high gain, you know
0: there's a and if you want to look at this for yourself, um uh, i I don't I probably won't link anything, but you can if you just look up like Hades on or uh, uh, fuck, uh, like Hades Broadway. I was gonna say Hades Broadway or, or just kind of uh, I found it while looking up Andre Deshield stuff because there was like a video somebody made of a con- a compilation of different songs and they had him walking up to the mic and starting why do we build the wall and there's just this presence especially Mm -hmm. on a stage Mm -hmm. that's like for those who have never seen any clips or anything of it um the way the broadway version of the play is set up there's this track in the middle of the stage that it's basically just like a ring that's wide enough for a person to stand on um that thing can rotate and a lot of the plays set pieces are built upon the fact that that ring can rotate and the center yeah. of the ring is actually an elevator that people descend down when they go to Hades Town. you know uh, there's
1: actually two rings two and they rings. can move
0: yeah, oh yeah together
1: and in opposite directions yes
0: um so those rings are constantly moving and you you're always having like oh, people so being moved around the scene by it but when uh how do we build the wall happens hades comes out from the back of the stage and walks up to an old timey microphone um and they're not moving, so he has the whole stage to himself. At least in the clip I've seen, um, mm-hmm. so he like he's controlling the audience's attention, and the stage is his. Like, there's mm-hmm. not the twirly twisty around shit happening. It is still for him. Um, it is very commanding, and it's a great exploitation of that. You had a point to move on to, and I was just trying to make a quick, like, which Hades is better? Uh, and here we are. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's, just,
1: it's all just so fucking good. <laughs> so so uh, I think that's actually a great place to go off of is what works so well about the Broadway play is the stage and the set design is stunning. So first off, the entire band is on the stage constantly. Um, which is brilliant because it puts you in that club, like, you can see everybody and they interact with the band too. The band is like, again, half diegetic, I would say. Um, But they're always there. They're always present. Um, There is that elevator and then the two, the two rings, that's, and then there's also, um, off to one side, like a kind of balcony that oftentimes um, Hades and Persephone are looking down onto everything from that balcony, which gives them their status as gods. It feels almost akin or like a reference to Mount Olympus. Um, When they get from above ground to Hades, the set sort of breaks away and expands and there's just all these massive industrial lights. And they are glaring, and they are hideous. And it's perfect, because uh, in the Broadway version, Hades has this song about how, like, oh, he's missed Persephone so much, so he made it all warm and all bright for her. And it's bullshit, you know? Like, it's it's clear that he's, like, half doing it for his own gain and half doing it for her because a lot of the conversation with these two and their expanded roles in the Broadway play is how they they don't talk. They don't understand each other and they have stopped trying, um, which is just beautiful and uh, phenomenal. And I think I really like how they beefed up those roles and put them in opposition and also in parallel to the Orpheus-Eurydice relationship because likewise Orpheus wasn't fucking listening when Eurydice was like, I am literally starving to death. <laughs> um The other, I think, biggest thing with what works so well in taking it from audio to stage is Wait for Me is another one of those like like big pieces, big numbers in the show. Um it's another one that they like have done on, you know, like TV and what have you. Overall, I still like the album version better, which I think could lead us into conversation about casting, which I do think that we should touch. Um, but wait for me in the stage show is the it's the song in which Hermes is telling Orpheus how to get to Hades' town. You'll have to take the long way down. Sorry. I know. I just I don't think I can say how to get to Hades town without like
0: <laughs> I mean it's, a, it's there's a huge difference in like like Andre Deshields like telephone wire on a railroad track and yeah. telephone wire on a railroad track. like uh yeah. Hermes in the play it sounds like it physically hurts to do uh, he shout. a he dollar, like it's like it's yeah. all in the back and it's real scratchy
1: Yeah. I don't even think that we should touch Hermes in this discussion because no, they are. There's, there's
0: there's two hours in that um yeah
1: and they're, they're just completely different characters
0: and speaking, like, speaking to what the play does well I just want to briefly mention that I, yeah. I really enjoy that the play specifically because the beginning is like a roll call of characters uh, uh road to hell yeah. is basically a cast list in that cast list is the chorus and the dancers uh mm-hmm. Which I, it, I again, I've, I, don't live near, I don't live near a big city. I can't, like, speak to I've been to so many plays. Um, but listening to cast recordings and whatnot, um, there just always seems to be this sort of disconnect from the dancers of the play. Yes. And the people and who do the singing. And huge part of the play. Yes. And the play huge. makes a point of saying, let's see what these folk can do. And you can, like, it is, like, even having not seen it, even though I have seen it, recently, uh, you can tell, like, this is the part where a bunch of awesome dancers are running out on stage and everyone's clapping. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So, with Wait For Me, um, the way that this journey to Hadestown is depicted is that there are these, like, huge hanging... Like railway lights, right? Like like railroad railroad lights that are being carried around by those dancers, who are again just this fundamental part of the show. And sometimes they are swinging. Sometimes they are being shown at different things. Mm-hmm. They are ominous. They are beautiful. And the thing about them is that I cannot explain in words why they carry such an impact, and that's important. Because that is exactly what you should be doing when you take something from a dialogue-based, audio-only medium to visual. You should be adding things that are impactful for reasons that can't be explained in words. And that does it perfectly.
0: Oh, yeah. um, In the... In Wait For Me... Um, let's see. Is this version anywhere close to it? Uh, there's... <clears throat> like for those who haven't listened or watched uh wait for me to, like we said is hermes explaining to uh orpheus how to physic like get to hades town um in the clip that i've seen way down. this one's not a <laughs> um I, I okay there's the clip i found so they 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 set it up so that the actors are standing in in the middle of the two rings and then the dancers are all getting in different like combinations holding smaller lights um and then the the overhead lights cut so it's dark Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you have these like mass shapes cutting off your view of hermes and orpheus while they're whispering or talking to each other in the broadway version um and they each have like little lights so it infers like these are like distant buildings or vehicles or something Uh, Mm -hmm, again mm -hmm. you can't really quite pin it down but it adds like this sense of menace like there's shit moving around And it almost has, like, a a searchlight guard tower feel to it. Uh, Yes, yes. It is sort of amorphous, and you can't... It's not trying to represent one specific thing, but it is very much, like, using the setup of the stage with the rotating rings and the dancers and these lights to its fullest. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... God, it's so fucking beautiful. It's so fucking beautiful. Ugh. Oh, I want to go see it right now. <laughs> but I think, so while we're talking about Wait For Me, I think this is another great time to talk about things that you n- need to be aware of when you're casting an audio drama, especially if it's an adaptation in any way. So on the original album, one thing I love is that, except for one, every single performance is like, gritty and imperfect and wild and kind of all over the place, right? Like, Anais Mitchell has this very strange voice. It is kind of a little baby mouse voice. I love it, but it's very unique. And she's very reedy. It's high-pitched. It's kind of whiny. It takes a lot of getting used to. Um, Persephone is played by Ani DeFranco, who's doing something. She's doing something. Uh, She's doing... Something, um, Hermes is this like, like, uh, how would you describe? He's amazing. He's he gives maybe my favorite performance on the album. He's like rickety and his yeah, throat is all scratchy and he's like unhinged too.
0: <laughs> I, I I mentioned um talking about like all the railroad influence stuff in yeah Hades Town, especially the Broadway version. Like, there's a lot. Of, I mean, I'm, uh i think the very first words of the player all aboard um it's in the broadway version hermes absolutely passes as a sort of conductor character um Mm -hmm. or like the station master or whatever the american equivalent (laughs) of that word is uh
1: Mm
0: -hmm. in the album he's like he he could be a conductor with like a shitty suit that's got like wear lines in it and stuff, or he could. I be... don't
1: think that's the impression they're trying to give. <laughs> or
0: like a hobo, like the like.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: he he like, does not it's... sound like a. Uh, he sounds like he would be characterized as a not upstanding person in this town yeah. that between Hades Town and wherever. Uh...
1: It's the difference between Skimble Shanks and literally roadkill. Mm-hmm. Like, so everybody has this like really pointedly imperfect quality to their performance and their voice except Orpheus as played by Justin Vernon who sounds like a fucking angel yes and part of this is because part of Justin Vernon's like really iconic style is that he has his range is Wild. He has a very naturally deep, low voice, but he also gets into some super high falsettos. And what he usually does is give like unreal layers and layers and layers and layers of harmonies. Um, and they they pull that through with Orpheus. The the one of the reasons this works is because in comparison, Justin Vernon's voice again like is even more angelic. It is it is perfect. As opposed to all of these really imperfect performances. But those layers also work as being part of this this godly influence. He is not like a regular mortal. The earth is singing with him. In the Broadway version. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to start by saying I really like Reeve Carney. I think he is a great actor. Um, It was very fucking strange to be told that he played Dorian Gray in Penny Dreadful after seeing him as Orpheus. I was very uncomfortable about that. (laughs) Um, I think he's a good actor. I think he has a sweet little face, and I think he has a good voice, and he... the Orpheus that he plays is a much different Orpheus than the other versions. He's very naive. Very naive. Um, The problem... And and I, this goes back to what I was saying about those Tony nominations. One Whoa. of the, <laughs> yeah, so one of the one of the biggest controversy controversies when Hades Town was getting nominated for things was that like a ton of the cast was nominated for Tonys, um, and he was not. Reeve Carney was not nominated. And the other cast members were like, this is ridiculous. How dare you? He's so amazing. And I'm like, is he? I get it. I mean, I get it. So the problem is that you have Reeve Carney, who is not to my knowledge, a classically trained singer, actor, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um I believe his breakout role was when he was playing Spider-Man in Spider-Man turn off the dark
0: which i mean uh, bravo for surviving that uh yes congratulations sarcastic holy shit dude was that a dangerous play
1: yes also um he starred alongside patrick page who played green goblin um i read the book by one of the producers uh that book is a wild ride and extremely biased but a fun read anyway um so the problem is that you have Reeve Carney, who is, like, sweet and has a fine voice, up against Patrick Page, yeah. Amber Gray, and Eva the fuck Noblezada, who is amazing and has this, like, incredible vocal energy. She can belt, but she can also get so small and so tender. So in the mix, you just have Orpheus played by... A normal dude, Reeve Carney, <laughs> Reeve Carney, yeah, Reeve Carney, and the chorus, the dancers, backing him up.
0: It's uh so. I told, yeah. I, I mentioned to you, not knowing who Reeve Carney is or anybody. I, I didn't even know who the fuck uh, Justin Vernon was before listening to Hades Town. Um, it. <laughs> My interpretation of the beginning of Hades Town was the bit is Orpheus has the melody, but he doesn't know how to sing it yet. And the gimmick is that the actor is intentionally softening their skills, we should say, uh, and will get progressively better as the play goes on. This is yeah. not mm-hmm. it, and that's just how Reeve Carney sings. He sings mm-hmm. a lot better than I could in any given circumstance. But, um, like you say, he is surrounded by stellar talents who are playing their parts the way those parts should be played. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on the album, where you have the, uh, where you have the ability to auto tune and self-harmonize and do all the other like it i i look i was gonna do a bit where i did some justin vernon editing but good lord the tutorials on how to do that on youtube
1: don't don't work
0: they don't sound good like they're like here's how it sounds with it and it's always garbage uh Mm -hmm. and it is fucking complicated (laughs) Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. and Uh, what he does is have an amazing music producer and sing yes. it 5,000 times. Yes. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> he's not just using fucking chorus settings in echo. Like it's not, n- no, right. it, it takes a lot of effort. Y'all. tune's oh, so easy. No, it's not. Um, not at least for us mere mortals, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, like Orpheus in the play, he has all of that at his disposal and sounds a lot better because they're aiming at things he's good at in the play he's do i'm sh- like i i can't attest to it cuz i don't know shit from shit but it seems like he's really good at dancing and he's really good at being a stage presence but the singing part <laughs> it's fine it's fine but everyone else is not just fine
1: exactly and the whole also and- the
0: whole point of his character is he's so good at singing he can make nature do shit like
1: right right like it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't come through. It just doesn't come through. And when you're casting, it can be really easy to, first off, lean on people you know and lean on people who are going to have, like, some some heft to their name. So Patrick Page knew Reeve Carney, probably loved him dearly. Reeve Carney has been in other things. Again, he's been in Penny Dreadful. Like, he's been in TV. He's been in these other productions. I feel like Reeve Carney was a very easy casting decision that was made far too hastily. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I think it's important to remember that in audio drama, there is so much untapped talent now that's not saying don't cast your friends and it's not saying don't cast people who are well known valence has plenty of actors who have been in a billion things um but we also have a lot of unknowns to this point who are bringing some amazing energy it if if you're if your character's whole thing is so extremely good at x you need to find that person. You need to not stunt cast. Yes. Yeah, we've been talking for over an hour. We have,
0: because <laughs> my phone's uh, hour uh, notification thing expired. Uh, I think you hit on the main reason why we want to talk about Hades Town is the, the casting thing. Like, again, dudes, great. They're not. This isn't. Uh, let's hate on Reeve Carney hour, but uh, right. That I really is, I think like a key him. moment. It's just he has such a boy. It's, it, I'll say this. It's really boy band. Like it feels like he he's singing like he's going to have three other people mm-hmm. around him, uh, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. He has a chorus, but they're not like that's not their job, and they're not doing that job. Uh, one 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 wonders what that part is like with someone completely different. Uh,
1: yeah, and I I would argue that perhaps some of. That boy bandiness because it does carry through to the to the arrangements um uh, that like there's like moments in wait for me that they
0: yeah it it
1: they change dramatically.
0: It feels like uh it, it's a halfway between how Hamilton completely committed to a hip hop thing like mm-hmm. that is the point of Hamilton. Hadestown is very much jazzy New Orleansy. Arrangements a lot of the time, and that's kind of like that's that's the Hades Town style. And then Orpheus has this kind of boy band thing, and it doesn't necessarily yep. gel. Again, it won eight Tonys, and
1: and I think it deserved really every good... single one of those. Yeah,
0: like did it get lighting? I'm looking. Yes, that. it did. Okay, that I is was so making literally. Sure I...
1: <laughs> I've never cared so much about lighting winning an award that I have for hadestown <laughs> <Yeah. me. laughs> I was, like, refreshing my phone, watching the Twitter feed of the Tonys just waiting. And as soon as it won lighting, I was, like, screaming because, come on.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Bradley King for uh, his stellar work lighting Mm -hmm. Hades down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, should we? We should probably uh, start wrapping it up here. Will, where can people find you on the internet?
1: People can find me um, on Twitter at Will W That's W I L W underscore rights. You can find me on willwilliams.reviews, and you can find me at hughouse dot productions. Gavin, where can people find you in the show? People
0: can find the show at Fuck. I believe in you. I do I I I wanted to say the URL I wanna buy soon. That's not it. Dalda podcast at WordPress dot com uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Pod Report. My website is The Pod Report. And I also make another podcast about podcasting that is single host. Sp- no guesses as to who's the host. Uh, called <laughs> Stuff I've Listened To. It's Weekly. Uh, and if you support the show on Patreon, you already know about it because I'm uploading weekly. So that's probably what's dinging on your phone right now. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Will, for joining me on this extended totally not a spoilers ahoy about Hades town <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you gavin for finally listening to hades town everybody go listen to fucking hades town listen to the album first were those words like could you hear that those were words
0: yeah i think i think what the ending's going to be is me taking that and putting an echo on it so you just echo <laughs> into the distance first. phenomenal <laughs>